You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, the darkness has fallen around us and the cold assails us. Warm us now by your eternal light. And as we reflect upon your coming among us, your birth so many years ago, may we be drawn ever closer to you in trust that we might love one another more completely. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this year is the Gospel of Matthew. And the stories we love to hear and we're so accustomed to hearing on Christmas Eve are mostly from the Gospel of Luke. It's in Luke where you get the angel choirs. And it's in Luke where you get the shepherds running to the manger side. It's in Matthew that we focus less on Mary and what she's going through and more on Joseph and what he's going through. Anthony, I'm going to take over the screen now, okay? If you click me there, thank you, appreciate that. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with the iconographic tradition of art. It's one of the oldest forms of art, probably having its roots all the way back in the days of the apostles. Um, This is an icon of the nativity, he said very confidently. (laughs) Could you click that arrow one more time? And don't don't go back to the other... uh, the other screen. There we go. So what you have here, this is an icon of the nativity. And we do see the angel choirs familiarly. We see the star coming down to mark the place where Jesus lays. Um, some other characters surrounding the story, because icons always tell a story. In the lower left, you see John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, getting a bath for his first time. Um, or at least, first time we see him in pictures. He's six months old by this point. And in the lower right of the picture, you see Joseph looking despondent. Because there's an old man leaning over and whispering to him, and you can't tell it with the lighting in here, but he's, he's wearing all, he's all covered in fur. He's wearing a kind of a, looks like, sort of animalistic. And um, that's Satan whispering to Joseph, you know he's not God's son. You know he's not God's son. And yet we're told, we're told in tonight's reading, that Joseph was a just man. And being a just man, he desired not to put Mary to shame. See, in the culture in which they lived, to be found to be pregnant without a husband was to garner public shame, certainly ostracization at least by all the other women of the tribe, probably including your own parents, maybe up to and including stoning to death. But to reveal that someone had committed adultery on you was not a shameful thing. 
Joseph would have been perfectly within his rights to do that and say, there's no way I'm going to have this woman as a, as, a, as a wife. Moreover, him not doing it probably led to years of whispering in the local community. You know what happened to him. But we're told that it's because he's just that he doesn't put Mary away quietly. Or he does that rather than letting her be exposed to public shame. Why? What makes him just in this regard? It's because the sense of injustice he has because he thinks he's been wronged. And remember, that's all before the angel talks to him in the dream. That sense of injustice he has, that sense of being hurt, is, is less than his love for his betrothed is less than his love for Mary. His love exceeds his sense of justice. And this is what makes him just. And the word translated as just is the same word from which we get justification, as in justification by grace through faith. It's the word righteousness that is used to describe the holiness and goodness of God as the eternal judge. And the justness we see in Joseph is precisely the justice we see in God this night as we celebrate his coming in the flesh. See, Romans 6.23 says very clearly, the wages of sin is death. Sin is not God's punishment to us for what we do wrong. It's what we earn by our betrayal of God. It's a paycheck we get. It's just, as, just, like, it's just like touching a hot stove. You get a burn. It's not the stove's fault. We receive death quite naturally out of our rebellion to God. Yet God's justness is not that that perfectly logical conclusion should fill it. One thing should follow the other. Rather, it's that that his love and his purpose of union and communion with us should be fulfilled in the end. And so in order that that might happen, God himself fixes the problem in the only way possible that preserves his justness. His justice is the ruler of the world, the giver of the law, the one who judges impartially and doesn't pick favorites. He decides to pick up the wages of our sin himself. To do that, he must be a human being. For it is humanity that has sinned. And whereas us picking up that paycheck will put us so far in the red that our checking account will never be balanced, God can bear the price of that paycheck and not be overwhelmed by it because death has no claim upon him who has not sinned. So God takes on the fullness of our humanity, our nature and our lot, as our communion prayers have been saying in these weeks leading up to Christmas. As God, he can bear the price. As a human being, he can pick up the wages. And this is why he becomes God with us, with us in the fullness of our humanity. But 
to pick up that paycheck which will happen down the road at the cross, God is going to experience a lot of other things that come with being human. All the things that we deal with, all the indignities and the, the small sufferings and large. Because of what we celebrate tonight, God knows the indignity of needing to cry out to have the basis of your desires met. The basis of your needs met. A child has to cry for everything they receive. In Christ, God knows the indignity of having to wait to have his diaper changed because mom's too busy or dad's too busy. Fortunately, most of us have forgotten that indignity. But if we live long enough, you might remember it. Visit enough nursing homes to know. In Jesus, God knows what it's like to feel footsore and tired and discouraged at the end of a day. Can you imagine how Jesus felt the day that he feeds the 5,000 and then when he teaches them something that seems just a little too hard, they all walk away? That's John chapter 6. Discouragement, fatigue at our labors. In Christ, God knows what it's like to try and follow an ethical business practice in the midst of a world that's trying to put one over on you. I don't know if you know anything about Middle Eastern culture. It's true to this day. The person who puts one over on, their, on someone else in business is not considered a villain. They're considered a hero. The rule is buyer beware. And if you get one put over on you, you probably deserved it. Jesus worked in his father's carpenter shop. That was apprenticed beside him and knew what it was to try and walk that line even when other people weren't walking it with you. In Jesus, God knew what it was like to be betrayed by a friend. Of all the indignities we suffer, this is probably the most common for us human beings. In Jesus, God knew what it was like to lose a loved one. We know that Joseph is gone by the time Jesus is doing his public ministry as an adult. And we see Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. In Jesus, God knew what it was like to be abandoned by those you count on and love. And in that abandonment, finally at the cross, Jesus knew what it was like to have to entrust himself to the love of the God he had proclaimed and who he was even from all eternity, but without being able to sense directly his ex- and experience him as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And still in the midst of that feeling said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. All that we experience, all the suffering, all the indignity, all the pain, all the difficulty. In Christ, God experienced all of that. And that's what 
gave such weight to his later words as he ascended to the Father. He said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's knowing the depth of what he'd already experienced with us that gives the comfort to those words, the confidence that in the midst of these things we experience, he is with us still, suffering still because we suffer strengthening us in the midst of our suffering for the time to come that He has risen beyond the bounds of death, that He might go and prepare a place for us. That is the meaning of this night. Luther said, when you look in the manger, you should see the shadow of the cross. God taking on the fullness of our humanity means taking on everything. The wages of our sin, but everything else as well. He is truly Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why when we tell the story or we picture it, I love pictures like this. This is a new one for me this year. I just found this intimate little portrait of Mary and Joseph uh, with the baby Jesus in a stable. I like it seems very homey, but the picture never seems complete with just the three of them. You always want to add in the shepherds and the other things and the angel choirs. And when we picture and put up our nativities at home, we even include the kings or the three magi. They come two years later, folks. It just doesn't seem like the right thing unless everyone's there for the party. And in fact, it's not even enough that all these different characters should be there until we're there too. I love this painting. This is by a Dutch artist. This hangs in the cathedral in Turin, Italy today. But um, you'll notice how Mary is the only one who looks remotely like she's from the first century. Everyone else is dressed like a 17th century Dutchman. (laughs) He is God with us. And the picture's not really complete until we are part of it. You know, we live in a world right now that's more connected than ever. But where people say that they are lonelier than they were 20, 30 years ago. Sometimes the technology that brings people together is what ultimately keeps them apart. Ever been to a restaurant and seen a picture like this? The church is called to be a different kind of community because we're not held together just by our common interests. We're held together by the love of God. 1 John 4.10, which we just heard, says, "This is In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son a propitiation for our sins. That means the one who would take up those wages of death. He gave him to us like that because he wanted communion with us and because communion is at the heart of who we are. The church is to be the kind of community where all types of people with completely different interests come together and put down their cell phones and look each other in the eye who hold hands with each other who pray with one another who share intimate details with one another that they might support one another in love. 
All because God is with us at the center of who we are and who we are called to be. God truly is with us. And that is the message of this night. Would you join me with a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, with all the challenges we all have faced, to know that you are with us is the most comforting thing of all. But sometimes in our fatigue, in our doubt, we fail to see you, to sense you, to know you there. Thank you for bringing us to this place where you have promised us that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would be present to us through your word and in the sacrament which we're about to celebrate. May these down payments, these promises of the grace yet to come bless and sustain us that we might become the people you have called us to be. People of true communion with you and with each other. We ask this in the precious name of him whose birth we celebrate this night, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.